Can you guys uh, think back to an event in your life? Uh, think back to a time in history or maybe a person that you met that changed your life forever. It can be good or it can be bad, right? We've all had those encounters with a person, a time in history, an event that we experienced that changed our lives forever. We have some, some newlyweds in, in the room. Let me hear from the newlyweds. Okay. All right. I guess it's not too exciting in the newlyweds' homes, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, you got, there you go. Okay, uh, listen. Listen, you, you guys, you know, a wedding is something that changes the trajectory of your life. You go from, from single to, to forming a family. You go from living for self to taking someone else's needs and someone else's emotions into considerations. That's a life-altering event. That's a life-changing event. You know, for some of you, maybe there was a, a relationship. And that could be, uh, it doesn't have to be boyfriend, girlfriend, it could be family, it could be a friend, a relationship that came into your life that you thought was going well and really valuable in your life, but then it all of a sudden took a turn for the worse, and it left you relationally scarred and hurt. Maybe you're in this room today, relationally scarred and hurt because of this change in the relationship. Here's something that we all have in common. We're all living in a time in history that's going to forever impact us, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic, and, and we're going to remember the rest of our lives, right? The COVID-19 and 2020, and so far, the better part of 2021 so far as well. We're going to remember this forever, and how or if we reach the other side of this is going to have an impact on our lives forever, right? We're going to be telling our, our, great, our grandkids, our great-grandkids all about the time we lived through a pandemic. An event, a person, a moment in history can make all the difference, can it? It can change the trajectory of your life. It can change you. Listen, it can grow you. It can encourage you. It can make you better or it can make you bitter. But we've all come across those times in our lives where we interact with a, an event, a person that changes us and makes all the difference. In fact, we're all here today on, on Palm Sunday when we commemorate and remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, uh, which would ultimately lead him to the tragic death on the cross. And we're all here because one man made a difference, right? His name is Jesus. As we enter the Easter season, we reflect on the difference that one man and his selfless sacrifice made. We reflect on the extent of God's love demonstrated through the person and work of Jesus Christ. We look at the difference that the cross made. Listen, not only in one particular region, in one particular period of time to one people, no. The cross made a difference globally throughout all of history and has been extended to all people. So through this series, here's what I want to do. I want to look at the lives of three different people that are usually not discussed or, or mentioned in the Easter story. You see, when, when we talk about the Easter story, I bet you know about Peter, right, who denied Jesus. You probably know about John, the beloved, the disciple of Jesus. You know Mary, the mother of Jesus that was at the foot of the cross. You know even maybe about Pontius Pilate, or you know about the criminals that hung on the cross next to Jesus. But throughout the series, we're going to look at three unsuspecting people that is not normally mentioned. We're going to talk about the commander, the counselor, and the culprit. Today we're looking at the commander. Let me give you guys a little bit of context to this particular person in history, the commander. What you got to remember is that the religious leaders hated Jesus, right? And if you're hated by religious people, you're in good company because they hated Jesus. They wanted him crucified. 
This was the worst of all corporate punishments. This is the worst sentence, the worst, the worst death penalty, penalty known to men during the time of Jesus. They want him crucified, the religious people. So they bring Jesus before Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor. He was a representative or leader of the nation, and he was ruler over the region of Judea. But guess who was next to Pilate? This powerful leader, under his command, would be the Roman soldiers being overseen by centurions or a commander. A centurion would oversee, give oversight to a group of soldiers, somewhere between 80 to 100 soldiers. And that's what a centurion was. He was essentially a commander that gave oversight to these soldiers. And so in the Easter story, we read about one particular centurion who witnessed, who was an eyewitness to the crucifixion of Jesus. And the, the events surrounding Jesus' death made all the difference in his life. Now listen, we're all on a spiritual journey here. Some of you, maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you've dedicated your life to being a fully devoted follower of Christ. Others of you, you are here and maybe you don't know what to think. You, it's hard for you to formulate an opinion. You don't really quite know. Others of, others of you have heard the gospel, but you're not quite convinced yet. So we're all on a spiritual journey. So let's track the journey of this centurion, of this commander. And let's look at the difference that the cross made in his life. If you're taking notes, here's number one in your notes. First, in his spiritual journey, the commander was indifferent. The commander was indifferent. Um, have you guys ever been, have you ever been accused of doing something that you didn't do? Right? Isn't that the worst feeling in the world when you're accused of doing something, of being guilty of something that you didn't do? It's the worst feeling in the world. And we read stories all the time about innocent people who serve hard time, right? Those are such sad stories. 20, 30 years locked up for a crime that they never committed. It wasn't until 20, 30 years later that finally some forensic evidence or some DNA evidence finally freed their case. We read about that all the time. Well, listen, the Jews were furious with Jesus because of his claims to be God. And so what they did was they devised a plan to bring him before the local governing authorities because they wanted them to do the dirty work for them, right? They didn't want to be the ones to get their hands dirty in the execution of a man. They wanted the other people to take, take it over and to, take, to, to do the dirty work for them. And so the religious people bring Jesus before the Roman governor, Pilate, who interviews him. He essentially puts Jesus on a trial. And listen to this. Pilate has the, hand, has the, the life of Jesus in his hands. He has the ability to let go of Jesus, to set him free of all charges, to let go an innocent man. But as he's interviewing Jesus, as he's putting Jesus on trial, he hears the crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And so in his interview, in this trial, he finds him to be innocent. He sees no wrong in Jesus. And he tries to wiggle his way out of this case. But hearing the chants of the people yell, crucify, crucify him, he chooses to please the cries of the people. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 24. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. And he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And so what Pilate was essentially saying was that Jesus is innocent, but so 
I, I don't want to do anything with this, but this is what you guys want. His blood is on your hands. The man who had the power to put an end to this, to stop this, to set Jesus free, essentially pleased the, the cause of the people. And listen, right next to Pilate or close by, guess who would have been right next to him? Guess who would have been close by during the trial, watching the interview of Jesus, the commander? You see, the commander would have been standing close by, getting ready to take whatever order Pilate would dish out. Whatever order Pilate would demand, the centurion stood by to demand the soldiers to go ahead and carry out the orders of Pilate. And so more than likely, this man, the centurion, the commander, would have essentially known that Jesus was innocent. And listen, this commander, he's not innocent, okay? He, he's been in charge of multiple crucifixions. When you read about the crucifixion of Jesus, it, this wasn't a one-time event. The Romans were experts at execution. This is the way that they would uh, eliminate threats or eliminate people that had broken the law. So this centurion probably carried off dozens, if not hundreds, of crucifixions. So he knew what a guilty guy looked like. And he sees Jesus, this is not a guilty guy, but guess what? It's not up to me to decide. I'm just the commander. I just carry out the orders. And so what that did was develop within him an attitude of indifference. So the question I want you guys to wrestle with is today, especially on this Palm Sunday, and as we approach Passion Week and Easter, is are you indifferent about who Jesus is? Are you indifferent about who Jesus is? I wanted to give you guys the definition of indifferent. It's on the screen there. The definition of indifference is a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. A lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Now listen to me. No matter who you are or what you believe, you cannot have a neutral understanding of who Jesus is. You cannot come to a, a neutral conclusion. Because the claims that Jesus made of himself calls for you to decide. Jesus said that he was the son of God. He said that he was the one that was able to forgive sin. He said that he was God in human flesh. And he said that he is the one that would be the savior of the world. So you have a decision to make whether Jesus is who he said he is or is he a phony? Because whatever you decide, whatever decision you make, that has ramifications on your life. For the commander, he was indifferent. He was indifferent. And this Easter, we need to answer the question, who is Jesus to you? Because if he is the son of God, then that merits that we do what he says we do. That we live our lives and surrender to him and worship him as king. If that is who he said, if he is who he said he is. But if he's a phony, then why, why are we wasting our time studying the Bible? Why are we wasting our time going to church? Why live out the commands of scripture? And so this commands us to draw a conclusion. Are we indifferent to who Jesus is? If Jesus is who he said he is, then we have to live our lives in a way that reflects that. There's ramifications. The commander, he was just indifferent. Number two, the commander was a participant. The commander was a participant. Okay, so what did the indifference of the centurion lead him to? What did it lead him to do? Let's look up Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look at verses 27 on. It's on the screen there for you guys to follow. It's in your message notes. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's residence and gathered the whole company around him. So notice right there in verse 27, the governor's what? The governor's soldiers, right? 
took Jesus into the governor's residence. The centurion is here. He's involved. He's close by and gathered the whole company around him. And what did they do to Jesus? Look at verse 28. The following verses of PG-13 here. They stripped him and they dressed him in a scarlet robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns. And they put it on his head. They placed a staff in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and they mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him. And they took the staff and they kept hitting him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe. They put his own clothes on him and they led him away to crucify him. You see, for this Roman centurion, for the commander, because his devotion and his allegiance was to the Roman government, he simply followed orders. And whenever you open up the Bible, when you read the Gospels, and you read about the bloody, abusive, and the cruel punishment of Jesus, I want you guys to picture the commander right there, the centurion right in the midst. This commander, he oversaw the flogging. He gave the orders to drive the nails into his hands. This commander stood guard at the feet of the cross because the rumor was that the disciples would come and steal the body away. And so he was there every single moment. And while he knew that Jesus was innocent, he knew that he wasn't guilty of the crimes that they had committed. He didn't deserve this capital punishment. And he knew Jesus was innocent, but that didn't keep him from carrying out the orders or relenting from the punishment. You see, his indifference by the fact, though, made him an active participant in Jesus' murder. What if I told you guys that this is what we have in common with the commander? What if I told you guys that just like the commander, we each are active participants in Jesus' death? Because you see, you and me, we are the reason that Jesus was led to the cross. Think about this. Why did Jesus die? What was the reason for Jesus becoming a man? It was to rectify a broken relationship, a broken relationship between us and God because of our sin, like Hunter was mentioning during worship. Jesus was born to live a perfect life and to die as a sacrifice, listen, for the forgiveness of my sin and for your sin. Romans 3.23, we read this verse quite often here at church. You probably have it memorized. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. You see, our sin separates us from God. But Jesus came to draw us near. And like it or not, we are all active participants in Jesus' death. But listen, He died willingly. Nobody, nobody dragged Jesus to the cross. He died willingly out of love for you and for me. That's why the Bible says that we ought to put our faith in him and in his work on the cross and his death and his resurrection because he's the one that grants us forgiveness of sin and newness of life. Jesus makes all the difference. Jesus makes all the difference. And he did so in the life of the commander. In fact, that's number three. We'll wrap it up with this. The commander went from indifferent to worship. The commander went from indifferent to worship. 
Let's read a lengthy passage here, a couple verses from Matthew chapter 27. Let's begin at verse 50. This is now moments before uh, Jesus breathes his last breath. Verse 50. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs are also open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection and they entered the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those with him, here's the commander and the other soldiers with him who were keeping watch over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and they saw the things that happened, they were terrified. And what did he say? The commander said, truly, this was the Son of God. Can you guys imagine this experience? Of course, not just for the commander of the soldiers, but for everybody in this region. The earth splitting, the curtains tearing in tune. And the commander here finally had had an experience with Jesus. He saw something he had never seen. He experienced something that he perhaps I've only heard of. And a light bulb went off in his head. And it's the moment that he realized his contribution to the death of the innocent man, Jesus Christ. And maybe he's thinking to himself at this moment, hold on. Maybe the rumors that I heard were true. That this man used to heal the sick and he raised the dead. Could he be the son of God? Who else but the son of God can impact the very nature and the very cosmos. He finally came to a realization. The light bulb went off. Jesus is God. Now listen, I'm reading into this story now because we don't really know what happens to the commander from this point on. We just know that he makes this declaration. He says, truly, this man was the son of God. But you know, if you were to ask me, if you cared for my opinion, I, I would have to say, I would have to imagine that he probably went home and told his entire family. I can imagine him going, hey, wifey, kids, kids, come here. You won't believe what, ex what I experienced today. You won't believe what I saw. And maybe that was the moment that triggered his spiritual search to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. Do you know what's my prayer for each and every single one of us today? that this would be a light bulb moment for you. That this would be a light bulb moment for us. That this Easter might be the exact moment in your life when you realize that Jesus was more than just a good feeling, that Jesus is more than just some goosebumps and the hairs on the back of your neck standing up, that Jesus is more than a get out of hell card or, or a get out of my difficult moment card, that Jesus is more than good luck that Jesus is more than a crutch to lean on, that Jesus is more than an emblem to wear around your neck or to decorate your house or to pay respects to when you walk by a, a church or a temple, that perhaps this is the moment where Jesus makes all the difference in your life. That this might be the moment when your eternity changed from condemnation and eternal separation to forgiven, and welcomed into the arms 
of a loving father that gave everything for you. I'm going to invite Hunter to come up here and he's going to sing uh, one last song. And I'm going to invite you to partake in communion in just a second as he closes with this song here. But I want to invite you to partake in communion because this, this is a time where we, in our service, where we take time to reflect and to repent and to rejoice in the good and perfect work of Christ on the cross. As we eat the bread, I want you to remember the body of Jesus that was broken, that was beaten, that was whipped, and that was nailed. The ruthlessness which Jesus was treated. I want you to recognize as you eat the bread and you think about his flesh torn apart for you is what our sin deserved. And as you drink the cup, I want you to remember the blood of Jesus, which was poured out on our behalf. Because in the blood, in blood there is life, but our sin merits death. Only the sacrifice of the innocent, of the pure, of the sinless, can cover the sin of guilty, sinful, and impurity. And so as we do this, as we remember, and as you partake in communion, listen, don't stay stuck simply on the sacrifice. Yes, we lament our sin. Yes, we cry over our wretchedness. Yes, we repent of our sin. But we also remember that Jesus was buried in a tomb and he conquered Satan. He conquered sin. He conquered death. That Jesus' death was not a defeat. It was a victory. This is why we celebrate Easter, church. Because death is defeated. And because the king is alive. And because he is alive, sin no longer has a grip on me. And my eternity, your eternity is secure. My identity is not wrapped up in my past or my present mistakes. I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. And if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, I invite you to put your faith in Jesus and you can be a child of God too. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So here's the challenge. No longer be indifferent. Is Jesus the Son of God? Is He who He claimed to be? Then we must live wholly surrendered to Him. Let's take time to pray. And then I'm going to invite you to partake in communion. And in that time of communion, go ahead and use it as a time to repent and reflect. But also to rejoice that the tomb is empty. That Jesus is risen. That he is alive. God, I pray that we may not be indifferent, God but that we may make a wholehearted decision to follow you, God. Lord, we recognize that we are all participants in Jesus' death. So God, we beg you to forgive us of our sin. And I pray, God, that we may respond to the goodness of God and your provision in Christ. And that we may live forever in worship to the King of Kings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.